May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. And, you know, um, they look at you and they say, you look fine. You know, you just want attention. What's wrong with you? I mean, why aren't you bowling? You know, what's the problem? You know, when I had irritable bowel, sometimes the irritable bowel was so painful, I couldn't raise my right arm over my head. Today, you're going to hear the first of a several-part series on reversal of fibromyalgia. Teresa is a patient of mine who's been willing to share her story as one of hope for those who are struggling with fibromyalgia. But first, time for the introduction. Welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast, where my goal is to give real answers and real solutions to real pain, fatigue, and brain fog. Who am I and what authority do I have to give a podcast on fibromyalgia? Well, I've been a physician for over 25 years. I'm a pediatrician, an internist, which is a medical doctor for adults, as well as certified in lifestyle medicine and clinical lipidology. I hope to weave the best of medical management with the best of lifestyle and use an evidence-based approach to give information in a digestible delivery, both through the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain, as well as through this podcast. Remember, that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and should not replace an office visit with your physician or medical provider. I hope that this will be a supplement to your office visits as well as to what's covered in the book. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia, if you have a loved one who has fibromyalgia, or if you are a physician or healthcare provider who wants to learn more about how to take excellent care of your patients with fibromyalgia. My hope is to help you as you go on the bold journey from not just surviving fibromyalgia, but reducing the suffering and even reversing fibromyalgia. You can show your support for the podcast by leaving a review and sharing with others and hitting the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. And now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I'm excited to have you join us on the podcast with a special guest here, Teresa. Teresa is a patient of mine for... Almost four years now, 
And she is a fibromyalgia success story. And uh, she was very willing and eager to share her story from going from extreme fibromyalgia to completely reversing her fibromyalgia. And you will learn today where she was, learn about her story, and then learn over the next several episodes how she got through fibromyalgia and how she's surviving with fibromyalgia and conquering fibromyalgia. Well, with no further ado, please welcome Teresa. Thank you, Dr. Lenz. I I appreciate this. I'm excited about this to help other people. Um, I've... I just can say I'm very, very passionate about sharing my story and helping other people. Fibromyalgia hits people at so many different levels. You come from a nursing background, and sometimes fibromyalgia can feel like palliative care, that there isn't really any hope. You're just in the survival mode, and there's not much you can do. Can you share where you were at when we first met about three and a half years ago. Well, I remember meeting you. Uh, We uh, we did uh, research you um, when we came to Delafield, so we wanted to make sure that we had the right primary care. Um, And you did wonderful things for my husband, so um, sharing my... um, my current story of fibromyalgia and not happy with my care and not wanting to get off medications, um, I really hoped that you could step out of the box and look at me differently and help me try to figure what is going on with me. Is it fibromyalgia? Is it rheumatoid arthritis? What is it? Let's start all over. Let's wipe the slate. And we will be talking about how you got better. But before we get to that, let's hear your backstory. For many people with fibromyalgia, when they look in the rearview mirror, it's typical that they actually had symptoms for years, often decades, before they actually received the diagnosis. When you look back at your story, what were some of the initial symptoms that you recall? When I look back, um, I just had extreme fatigue. Um, I was very active, um, licensed nurse in the hospital, walking all over the, all over the hospital. Then going into occupational health, you know, I was fine. I worked at a glass factory. We had to, you know, uh, understand every part of uh, the employees' jobs. I had no problem. All of a sudden. I started getting fatigue, and I started seeing small things, skin color changes, rash, uh, nail beds, indenting, in and, and lines on my nail beds, and um, just pain. I, I had pain all over the place, and I couldn't figure out why. And about how old were you when this was going on? You know, this started actually sooner than I thought it was, but I had to have been in my later 40s. Amazing, um, and it could could have been even earlier than that. Um, but the fatigue. Um, uh, I'm a bowler. I was a bowler, and I did um, competitive um, bowling um, tournaments, and I could not get to the third game without any kind of speed on my ball. I mean, 
all of a sudden I'm this 300 bowler. You know, I had a 300 game. I, I was doing well in bowling. I bowled three times a week, and all of a sudden I couldn't do it anymore. Lower back pain. Um, just pain from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. And, um, and the fatigue. I didn't have the strength. And I just couldn't figure out why. So did you get seen by a, a medical provider or a physician to help figure out what was going on? Ye- yes. Um, going on with the care, I definitely had to check with my primary care. Um, he just thought it was something simple. You know, just, you know, rest a little bit, maybe take some Flexerol. Um, gosh, medications I had were unbelievable. Um, The pain wouldn't go away. I mean, every month I'd go back to my primary care for at least two to three months. And he said, no, keep taking the Flexerol, you know, keep, you know, do some exercising, which I've always exercised. You know, I was, you know, either walking or on a um, ski glider. That's what I always loved doing. And um, nothing helped. The bowling wasn't changing. I was getting worse. Lower back pain, you know, hip pain. Um, then affecting my knees a little bit. Um, so I finally said, i got to go to a rheumatologist. I, I talked with my primary care, so let's do it. So long story short, I saw four rheumatologists since 2000. And I'd say, um, I think it was 2010, started everything, and four rheumatologists, two surgeons, um, through all that, I mean, psychologists I went to, trying to figure out what's going on. I went to f- physical therapy, trying to figure out what was going on. They were trying to strengthen, you know, strengthen my body. Chiropractors, I went to a couple chiropractors trying to figure out what was going on. And the only one doctor that actually started to talk about fibromyalgia was one rheumatologist in Racine. Otherwise, nobody in rheumatology wanted to talk about fibro. What were they telling you? They don't, they don't um, diagnose it. They don't treat it. This would have been around the early 2000s or so? Yes, yes. It was probably like 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah. To summarize, you had seen a psychologist, you had seen physical therapy, you've seen a couple chiropractors, you saw four rheumatologists, all of these different physicians and providers to try to help you. On top of that, you had multiple lab tests repeated over time. I know there was a question of possible rheumatoid arthritis that was later found to not be the case. For many listening, they can definitely relate to your story of having seen many different medical doctors over the years. I say it's one to get that diagnosis, but then it's the next step of getting education. What was your initial education like? Yeah, it was sad. I found an excellent rheumatologist who was willing to look at fibromyalgia with also being treated me with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So I had chemicals, IV chemicals, you know, for uh, rheumatoid. But she did go the other way about fibro and did the listing, the questions, you know, the survey that uh, you, Dr. Lenz, have, have done. But um, sad to say, I was with her a few months because she relocated. <laughs> and I could not find another rheumatologist in the area that will touch fibro. 
it was sad. So I knew I had a couple of, uh, you know, things that she gave me to read and to think about and sites to go online, but I still needed that education from a physician that understands fibro and, and how it'll affect me, and I could not find that person. While all this is going on, you are working as a nurse, and tell us how that affected your ability to work and affected your life. Working history was very rough. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, the pain was unbelievable. So I was on, you know, a lot of over-the-counter uh, pain meds. I could not walk. I was in occupational health. I was in um, um, a manufacturing plant at the time, and um, I could not walk the entire plant without getting short of breath, extreme fatigue. I mean, massive sweating. You know, uh, just could not figure it out. I'd rest for a while, then I'd keep going on. So I would always do something that I had to do, check on an employee or whatever I was doing, if I was training that day, and then try to rest in between. That was the only way I could get through it. But one day, enough was enough. I, I had a 12-hour day like I normally did, went to my car. It was, it was in January. I remembered it was snowing, and I could not clean off my car. It was like a sleet snow. And I'll never forget, I tried to scrape the car window. I couldn't, I couldn't budge it. I, wa- I sat in the car and just cried. And I said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because also, too, I was afraid as a professional, a health professional, that I would forget things at times. And I, want, and I wrote down notes, you know, meticulous notes, so I would remember I would be on top of my game for our employees. And, but I knew it was getting just, it was over, it was just too much to keep up this job of 500 people. So um, that morning, next morning, that was it. I, I gave in. <laughs> Uh, and which was the hardest thing I could do. I was 50, well, what was I, 58, 59, I, I forget, somewhere in there. Um, and I had to walk away. I had to go on disability. And it was devastating. It was, it, it, I was in great shape. I was in, I thought, in good shape. And I just didn't think this would happened to me. You know, I was ready to work till I was 65, 70. I love the healthcare. I love training and teaching and educating people, but um, I wanted to make sure I didn't hurt anybody either. If they needed my care, if I couldn't get on my knees and do CPR, then that's it. And I couldn't anymore, so I had to walk away. So to summarize, you had hit the point where you could not safely do what you needed to do at work, and now you enter and resign to the fact that you have to retire and you can no longer work. What was going through your mind? Was there any thought at all that you could maybe improve, that there was actually any hope that you could get better, or was this just a new life that you were going to have to learn 
to live with and not live well? Uh, yeah, those years. Uh, I, was, I was depressed. I was very depressed because I knew I had to walk away from bowling. The one thing I loved because um, the pain was so bad in my lower back. And um, I even ended up um, getting um, a disc surgery just to make sure, you know, everything was stabilized. And then uh, being diagnosed with osteoarthritis or osteoporosis, um, I had to get a second level fusion. So walking away from bowling was very hard. But and golf. I love golf. And I couldn't golf anymore. But this, you know, this was who I was. This is who I am. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse since I was 21, 22. Who, who am I going to be? Yeah, I'm, I'm a mom. And I'm a grandma. But I'm a nurse. And I can't do that anymore. That was... Um, hard to put into words. It was very difficult. So I, I made sure that it wouldn't affect my family. I made sure my head was on straight. So I went and saw a psychiatrist to make sure that uh, going through all this, all my care that I decided to go through, um, that I was on track, that I was dealing with this properly because I didn't want to burden my family. You clearly at this point are going through a tremendous struggle big difficulties in navigating your new life. Extremely. I mean, people look at you, and, you know, um, they look at you and they say, you look fine. You know, you just want attention. What's wrong with you? I mean, why aren't you bowling? You know, what's the problem? You know, when I had irritable bowel, sometimes the irritable bowel was so painful, I couldn't raise my right arm over my head. And people didn't understand I, st- I stopped talking about anything and everything about me because they didn't understand. And, when, and then when you try to talk to your family, they don't understand either. They, they look at you and, well, your mom, you're okay. You know, you've always exercised. You've always done this. And yeah, maybe you're just slowing down a little bit. But they still didn't understand. Why can't you go, mom, and do this and do that? You know, like do three things in one day. I could not do that anymore. I could only barely, I couldn't even drive because it was so overcoming. I was so tired and I was afraid if I get behind the wheel, I will, you know, make the wrong decision and hurt somebody. I just, sitting up was horrible. I had to lay down. You know, when I got up in the morning, I would maybe, you know, you know, take care of personal things. Within 10 minutes, I had to go back and lay down. You know, I couldn't walk. A mo- you know, I couldn't even walk 10 minutes. I couldn't even cook anymore. Not that I like to cook, but, you know, I, I always had to sit down at the um, stove. I always had to sit down to do dishes. I always had to rest. And then all of a sudden, I had this anxiety attacks, anxious. I mean, I, you know, small spaces, uh, just everything was just so bigger now, harder, huge. You know, the anxiety was, um, it's, you know, I I said, who am I? (laughs) Teresa will continue to share her story. At this point, 
We've learned a little bit about Teresa and a lot about her diagnosis of fibromyalgia, the frustrations that she went through in just getting diagnosed, and then the realization that she had to go on disability. While she was on disability, she faced challenges just with in herself, but also with those around her, with family members and friends who didn't understand why she couldn't just do things. They were even questioning if she was just faking this all, that it was just all in her head. She looked okay. It wasn't like she had a stroke or was paralyzed. It wasn't like there was a big swollen knee joint or hands or fingers that were obviously deformed that she couldn't do things. Why couldn't she just get through this? And for those of you who are listening who have fibromyalgia, this story is probably familiar to many of you. But this story doesn't end with one of despair and hope. And she will continue to share what's happened since then. I'm thankful that you have joined us on this podcast. I think her story will inspire you and help you realize that you can go from extreme levels of fibromyalgia to actually reversing that. And as you get a sense of where she's at now, you'll be so impressed as you continue to hear more of how she got better and that she did get better in a multifaceted, comprehensive approach that weaves the best of medication management, the best of lifestyle management to help her live well with fibromyalgia. For those of you who are listening, you're all at different states of fibromyalgia. If you are somebody who has fibromyalgia, and I don't want you to feel guilty if you aren't there right now. If you are not in the point of reversing or living well with fibromyalgia, recognize that everybody's story is unique Everybody's situation is unique. And I think many times with fibromyalgia, we hear stories like Teresa and the story ends where we're at and it doesn't get any better. And Teresa is a real person with real pain who had real fatigue and real brain fog. And again, thank you for listening to the podcast. This podcast is done for all of you who are suffering with fibromyalgia, for family and friends of those who have fibromyalgia, and for physicians who try to up their game in managing the challenges of those who have fibromyalgia. Please, if you want to support the podcast, share this with others, and also check out the book if you're interested in digging deeper. It's available at Amazon, as well as on Audible. And again, thank you.